So, uh, we got a word of the podcast. Word of the podcast. Today's, today's word of the podcast is idealism. Idealism. Something that John Delaney lacks. Ah, uh, uh, burn. Um, feel the burn. Uh, are Bernie you feeling Sanders. the burn right now? I, I'm feeling the burn a little bit after this debate. I, uh, thing is, it's a burn. He's always really, he has all this energy and so, like, sometimes I don't want to be hit full force with the, the Bernie energy. It's refreshing though, but I just feel like sometimes he's just harsh about things but his ideas are solid i think even after this debate even more so after this debate um he's starting to really come through to me as well as a lot of other people so the last uh the last podcast we covered every single candidate we actually Mm -hmm. managed to cover every candidate on that stage for both nights yeah um the only new candidate this time is uh steve bullock he replaced Mm -hmm. eric swallow Swallow dropped out so, Steve Bullock, to me, sounded like a salesman who stuck to the talking points. Yeah, absolutely. His uh, opening statement, it sounded like he was giving a high school project right. presentation, pre-rehearsed, <laughs> and... Uh, Nothing fresh. There's that spiking of the voice, that, like, didactic spiking of the voice, so yeah. And he was pretty, he was, like, pretty moderate, which doesn't bother me, mm-hmm. but uh, the way he was defending himself felt weak and right. ill-considered. So this time we're going to talk about clear winners, um, people who stood out, highlights. Uh, we're not going to go into every candidate mm-hmm. possible. We did that last time. This time we're kind of gearing it down. For me, the first debate, let's get into that first debate, yeah. hosted by CNN both CNN. nights. For me, the uh, clear winners were Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and Pete Buttigieg. Uh, yeah. Marianne Williamson did better than usual, but yeah. I wouldn't say she was a... That makes her a clear winner. Yeah, I mean, she, do, she better. did better than last time, but last time wasn't necessarily amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, you know, it's funny. CNN, in one of their articles, they said, you know, we're going to miss Marianne at future debates, which it's is so, pretty condescending. It's so sad. Yeah. No, because you also had Anderson Cooper asking her, who are you supporting? And she was like, I'm still up on the <laughs> stage. What are you asking? Right. So, but she does have her pretty devoted following. So I could see her making the September debates. You do? I could, I could see it. Uh, like, I could see it. I don't necessarily know if it's going to happen or not. I barely follow her. Right. So um, if she if she makes it, good for her. But, like, she she's not one of the strongest candidates, obviously. Okay. So uh, I think she's guiding the discussion. I don't think she's leading the discussion. These are my reasons for these winners, uh, mm-hmm. clear winners. Warren, she came ready, as usual. Yes. Had the most ideas. Absolutely. Obliterated Delaney. Oh, yeah. And, um... What I was thinking is this might be the best way to, to, uh, I know right now we're thinking at a primary level, but this might be the person who could possibly take on Trump. Yeah. Um, what I was saying earlier, I I told this to um, one of my friends is that she has energy. And last time, Mm. um, I think we had basically said that she tends to kind of get too much into it yeah um that actually may be a good thing because her ideas to me are solid yeah and she tends to present them with such energy that what i'm gonna say is that i'm gonna classify it as positive energy yeah absolutely. versus the negative energy that trump has trump has energy mm-hmm. but it's not the best energy yeah so it might be the perfect yin and yang mm-hmm. scenario to 
take on Trump. I think so. And then last time too, she felt a little bit phony with her with her energy. It felt a little like she was putting up a front. But this time, you could tell she had conviction. Her energy was really genuine. And I think right. it, it put a lot of force behind her policies. Even though they're the same policies as last debate, they just felt like they landed this time. I mean, they can she be had the same conviction. policies. They're pretty solid yeah. policies. And they, yeah, they're really good. I just think, yeah, it was great to hear them. And hear like she really, truly believed and was passionate about what she was saying. Right. And then I had Bernie Sanders. Bernie. Came, came energetic, was yeah. able to defend himself on health care from other candidates. Yeah. Does not mean I think he presented health care in the best way. Yeah. Um, he had... Because uh, Elizabeth's plan is like a tones-down Bernie's plan. That's what it sounds like, right? I mean, they have the same plan. They they have the same plan, but there are, there are nuances, I'm sure. Or are she's they the exact same plan? No, she supports She's supporting men. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, And then yeah. Buttigieg for playing it somewhat safe again, but came yeah. more on the offensive and ready to interject, and when he did, he did. Yeah. Great. What yeah. about you? He, I agree with all of your choices. I think Be- uh, Beto also, he... Um, I think he had a great showing tonight. I still think he was kind of an afterthought because there was Sanders and uh, Warren and uh, all of the fighting that happened between them and the other candidates. But like, I went back over it and everything Beto said made sense. And everything he said, it sounded like he actually had a plan this time, which was pretty cool. Like again though, in terms of his raw ideas, I don't think they're better than Sanders or Warren, but I think he presented himself in a really good light. Mm -hmm. And um. I just have a lot more respect for his campaign now after having seen him. So I think it was a victory for him. I don't think he's a winner, but I think he's definitely up there with the like the upper tier of, of tonight's or uh, that night's debates. I think he needs to find a way to be a presence on that stage. Yes. Um, because there was a moment where, and frankly, I don't think this was completely his fault. I do mm-hmm. think this was CNN's fault. Yeah. Um, where he was, and this happened not just to him, but many candidates when they were beginning to lay out agendas. Yeah. And then they'd interrupt, CNN would interrupt because they were focused on pitting people against each other. Yeah, that was a thing tonight. So, I keep saying tonight. I mean, but, um, it happened two nights. Two nights, two nights ago. ago. Right. What was your uh, take on CNN? How do you think they did overall? Yeah, so I had a huge problem with what CNN was doing on night one, which was seemingly pit every candidate against Warren and Bernie. And um, all that did was it gave Warren and Bernie a chance to shine. Because their ideas were really strong, and when you pit all these lesser candidates against Bernie and uh, Warren, it just gives them a chance to defend themselves and talk more, give them a lot more talking time. And I don't know if CNN is necessarily trying to make Bernie and Warren look good. Um, I think there's that's definitely there's a high chance of that being the case. Even if they're not, though, it's just not a good debate strategy to be um, creating this like. Uh, one-sided combat with mm-hmm. the questions at times they straight up i think the very first question of the night actually was between uh, bernie and delaney and um the question was worded to uh, they were pitting delaney against a lot of people also yeah they were almost like they don't like uh delaney let me see if i can find this question um cnn also wasted its uh, first 10 minutes of just getting them on it. the stage you could yeah. have started behind the podium yeah it that was that was kind of a waste of time. Yeah, no, I didn't like I was like like why? 
they're presenting their people like, getting ready what's, for SmackDown. <laughs> what's with the pageantry? Yeah, it was like WWE, like you said. <laughs> like, they brought them all out. They were like, uh, next up, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> they didn't actually make it like that, right? But they felt like that. And they're like lining them up on stage. There's the American flag in the and background. You said their 2005 trailer opening. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and the, the, yeah, the voiceover they were using, it just felt so, like, so stock. And... They're uh like like they're making this this and whole they had debate an opening process a and closing event. statement. Yeah, they had an opening and closing statement, and I was like, "Come on, man! Like, is that really the best use of our time?" So they spent forty minutes on healthcare, right? Yeah, and I'm okay with. Oh, that. just a second, actually. So um, sorry. So yeah, very first question of the night, they asked um, they asked to Bernie, they asked if Delaney was right when he says Bernie's plan is a bad idea. I'm paraphrasing. So that question is just designed to create a fight. Instead of asking Delaney, what do you think of plans right. that, um, you know, eliminate private, they, they said Bernie's plan. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they wanted to start some conflicts, oh, and that yeah. was happening the entire They, they did that the second night. debate also. Yeah, the with the second debate, like that they absolutely did that second debate as well. The reason I was more okay with it was because it was everybody versus everybody. They weren't mm-hmm. trying to make anybody shine. It felt like it felt okay. like every every question had everybody fighting each other, which is still bad. I still wouldn't. I would have preferred, you know, a more general debate style of the questions. But at least it didn't feel like they were letting two candidates shine. Right. At least it felt like it was, um, you know, everybody I mean, was smacking down. They did better in comparison to their first night with the way they asked questions. That being said, I'm not going to stand here. I'm going to sit here and justify that they're process of asking the questions was right in general i agree with you oh one more thing too a huge part of their questioning strategy was they would ask one question to one candidate Mm -hmm. and then go ask the next four candidates how do you respond to the senator's remarks but what do you mean how do you respond most of those questions weren't even aimed at the other candidates you're not responding to anything you're just commenting on the issue they should have said well actually a few things they should have said you know so what do you think about this issue Mm -hmm. But also, they should have done more research and asked each candidate, you know, uh, specific, que- like, campaign-specific questions. That's kind of lazy, right. in my opinion, on CNN's part, just asking everybody, oh, how do, you, like, how do you respond to what this guy says? And then when you ask somebody, how do you respond, it makes it feel combative. And then right. some candidates straight up ignored it. Like, uh, at one point, I think uh, they asked um, Tulsi something, I can't quite remember what it was, and it was set up to be a fight. Right. And she kind of just ignores the response part, and she just talks. She talks about you know her thing. Mm-hmm. She ignored the the fight, the fight altogether. And a lot of candidates were doing that. Was just her, right? But um, all of the candidates knew that they were just there to talk. They were gonna forget about um, yeah, CNN's combat style uh, debate. What I would like to see is an equal spread on issues. Uh, yeah. Well, so what do you mean by that? They had about. First of all, they had a two-hour, 40-minute debate, right? Long time. Long time. And it was kind of exhausting, mainly because you would think that there would be an equal time allotted towards each question Mm -hmm. in terms of healthcare, economics, student debt, foreign policy. Mm -hmm. But an example would be on that first night when you had about 40 minutes on healthcare, which I'm okay with, if you would give 40 minutes to other topics. Yeah. But they had 40 minutes on healthcare. Then they had 10 minutes on foreign policy where they barely touched on anything. Yeah. And then they shifted it to if age matters. That question is something you ask <laughs> in a one-on-one interview, right? Yeah. Because they've asked Buttigieg and Bernie and uh-huh. Biden that multiple times. Yeah. But you do not use a debate platform to ask 
if that age matters when you have other questions to ask. You're yeah. you're still on limited time. Mm-hmm. So, again, some of those questions were stupid, some and were. there should have been again an equal spread. So, if I'm gonna be honest, I think I was a little bit disheartened to see the way CNN and also MSNBC because I didn't like MSNBC's yeah. handling of the debates, but. I think it was better in comparison to CNN, though. Yeah, it was much yeah, better. C- yeah. CNN made MSNBC look like saints. Basically. Yeah, for real. <laughs> so, I thought CNN would take a look at M- MSNBC and improve on everything they fell short on. But I'm, instead, they made their own mistakes. Right. The next one is ABC, and ABC tends to do a uh, okay. a, a good job okay. with their okay. debates. So I'm looking forward to that Let's one. That's right here in Houston, actually, but we'll be in college. We'll be we'll be in, in the university. We won't be in that college they're at. Not that college. Is that TCU or something? Not TCU. It's Texas Southern. I think Texas Southern University. Okay. Okay. TSU. Well, got a UT represent. You know. <laughs> represent. It's not a weekend. It's I don't not, even know. It's, it's probably not, not going to be. It's not a, yeah. on a weekend. There's no way it's going to be on a weekend. weekend. On a weekend. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get into it. Um, healthcare. First topic of the night. Healthcare. Uh, it was basically worded in a way that it was asking is the Medicare for all plan political suicide. Yeah. Uh, that was as phrased from John Delaney. Mm-hmm. Bernie, once again, spat out numbers, didn't really uh, take on the question. No. But that being said, I think Elizabeth Warren had the best response to this, where she said, why are we discussing what we should... No, you should not run for president. I don't know why you would run for president if you're going to talk about what we should and shouldn't fight for. And what we can't fight for. Right. Yeah. And that proved to me that John Delaney is just... (laughs) Like, yeah. just get off the stage. Because John Delaney, like, at the core of what he was saying, I didn't think any of it was necessarily bad or uh, harmful. I just think he wasn't thinking optimistically enough. He was, like, he was being so pragmatic to a point where he was, like, he wasn't realizing the full potential. Like, we can do right. a lot of these really progressive plans. Like, it's possible to implement them. He just doesn't believe we can. Mm-hmm. I'm going to lay out the Sanders Medicare for All plan, which would move every American mm. into one government insurer in four years while providing them with medical, vision, and dental care at no cost. That is his plan, which um, mm-hmm. Warren has uh, supported. Yeah. And then you have Warren who basically talked about immediately going after, I think, again, Delaney saying, stop using Republican talking points, which yeah. you have yeah. objections. So here's the thing about Republican talking points. That was a huge part of tonight's debate. I keep saying tonight's debate, my goodness. Okay, it was a huge part of both nights of the debates. And my problem with complaining about Republican talking points is that, like, that just seems like a way for these candidates to avoid asking questions they don't want to, uh, answering questions they don't want to answer. Because these aren't Republic. I mean, these aren't Republican talking points. These are American talking points. Citizens are actually concerned about these kinds of things. For example, she uh, complained about uh, Republican talking points when, um, I can't remember the exact phrasing, when uh, when they asked the candidates about taking away private insurance from people and replacing it with a public option. When asked about that, a lot of candidates were upset. They're like, it's a Republican talking point. Let's not worry about it. But the thing is, a lot of people are concerned about losing their private insurance. They like their private insurance. And I'm not saying it's a good idea or a bad idea. I'm saying it's an issue that the candidates shouldn't shy away from and, um, you know, just thrust the Republican talking points argument in front the of it. The deflection, basically. The deflection. And then also, if you use just the term Republican talking points, you're demonizing Republicans. That's the last thing you want to do in a debate where you're trying to suck Republican voters from Donald Trump, suck disaffected uh, Republicans. Because Republicans aren't bad people. A lot of the politicians are doing bad things, but you can't just say it's a Republican talking point. Mm. 
We're not trying to ostracize another big part of uh, the United States electorate. Even people who are Democrats who um, do like their private yeah. insurance, right? Yeah. That yeah. does not make them a Republican. And that's a really important thing here. If you ostracize anybody with moderate views, then um, it kind of feels like you're expelling them from the Dem Party. Where else do they have to go? The, mm-hmm. the, the Republicans. You're turning voters red by calling them out for their moderate views, like keeping private insurance. So in essence, you're helping the GOP and you're reducing the willing Democratic electorate. It's just kind of like, like, don't be rude. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> like, be nice to the Republicans. So, and just one more Republican talking point that, uh, well, quote unquote Republican talking point that's going to come up is um, banning employer-based insurance. At some point, somebody was asked um, about, you know, banning, I, honestly, it was Bernie, banning employ, uh, employer-based insurance with Medicare for All. And he said, we got to stop with these Republican talking points. But again, people are genuinely curious about that issue and other issues. So they're centrist ideas for sure, but that doesn't make them bad ideas. So here's what Buttigieg had to say about Mm -hmm. um, his health care plan. So we don't have to stand up here speculating about whether the public option will be better than or a Medicare for all environment will be better than the corporate options. We can put it to the test. That's the concept of my Medicare for all who want it proposal. That way, if people like me are right, that the public alternative is going to be not only more comprehensive, but more affordable than any of the corporate options around there, we'll see Americans walk away from the corporate options into that Medicare option, and it will become Medicare for so all just, without us having wait, to kick anybody 15, off their insurance. Just 15 seconds on the clarification. You are willing to raise taxes on middle-class Americans in order to have universal coverage with the disappearance of insurance premiums, yes or no? I think you can buy into it. That's the idea of Medicare for all who want it. Look, this is a distinction without a difference whether you're paying the same money in the form of taxes or premiums. Look, in this country, if you have health coverage, if you don't have health coverage, you're paying too much for care. And if you do have health coverage, you're paying too much for care. That's pretty cool. I think Pete's really fleshed out. (laughs) That's pretty rad. (laughs) He's really fleshed out his policy goals since the last debate because I wasn't really vibing with him for that very reason, for his lack of policy. So now Pete's fleshed out his proposals. I think it's a really great idea to um, prove that his public option is better by giving the choice for both and then just letting everybody who has private look over at the public option, say, wow, that's way better and way cheaper. We're going to switch to it. And it eventually gets to Medicare for all anyway, like as the end product. Right. Notice how he he's coming off as someone who's for both, but he's really not. Yeah, he's, he's for that public option. He's just giving private mm-hmm. insurers a chance yeah. to. Um, I think he said this in another interview. He's going to give private insurance a chance to basically um, comply with the new regulations, mm-hmm. and if they don't, then they're going to go to public and put it to a test. But in the end, he does want that public option. Yeah, and by doing what he does, that'll get to universal health care pretty fast. And then you had Beto go into uh, Medicare for America. I don't think he was really able to clarify that stance i think he did it more in that in the last debate but medicare america is if you are uninsured you can enroll or if you're insufficiently insufficiently insured Mm -hmm. if you have employer-sponsored insurance member of a union that negotiated for a health care plan in lieu of wage increases or other benefits you can keep it yeah so if you like your public if you want to go public go public if you like private Keep it private. And then if you have nothing, we'll just put you on public by default. You don't really get a choice. 
We're just going to put you on it. But that's not a bad thing. So that was the entire, I think, healthcare, uh, I don't want to say debate, maybe a a spat. But this was, again, this was something that lasted for (laughs) 40 minutes. And it it did not go anywhere. I I don't think it went anywhere. I I think Buttigieg had the best approach. He just spoke, gave his idea, stuck it, and then got out. And a big part, a big big sensor of this this whole fight was... um, the idea of raising uh, taxes for the middle class, and that right. was, that's based on the first question too. So like, I mean, no one clearly answered. No, that. Like, yeah, like nobody clearly answered it. Even Bernie, who was asked the question, didn't clearly answer it. So well, it just would have been better if CNN had asked questions that right. got straight answers. I mean, they were trying to get a straight out answer out of people, and out of the candidates, they weren't getting it. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right about that. Yeah, yeah. And Warren did say billionaires and corporations will pay more and the middle class will pay less in total cost. Yeah. But yeah, the reason, again, Beto wasn't able to clarify Medicare for America was because, because Jake Tapper cut him off. Yeah. This was, a, <laughs> I think, the first example of many where mm-hmm. they were focused on pitting people against each other. And when they were going to um, explain their plan, they were like, nope, all right, let's mm-hmm. get back to the WWE agenda. <laughs> Smackdown. Smackdown. When I'm president, illegally crossing the border will still be illegal. We can argue over the finer points of which parts of this ought to be handled by civil law and which parts ought to be handled by criminal law, but we've got a crisis on our hands. And it's not just a crisis of immigration, it's a crisis of cruelty and incompetence that has created a humanitarian disaster on our southern border. It is a stain on the United States of America. Americans want comprehensive immigration reform. And frankly, we've been talking about the same framework for my entire adult lifetime. Protections for dreamers, making sure that that, uh, we have a pathway to citizenship for the undocumented, cleaning up lawful immigration. We know what to do. We know that border security can be part of that package and we can still be a nation of laws. The problem is we haven't had the will to get it done in Washington. And now we have a president who could fix it in a month because there is that bipartisan agreement but he needs it to be a crisis rather than an achievement. That will end on my watch. Just a point of clarification. You did raise your hand in the last debate. You do want to decriminalize crossing the border illegally. So in my view, if, if fraud is involved, then that's suitable for the criminal statute. If not, then it should be handled under civil law. But these show of hands are exactly what is wrong with the way that this race well, is not, being we're covered. Not, we're not doing that here. <laughs> we appreciate that. Thank you. Congressman O'Rourke. <laughs> You live near the U.S.-Mexico border in El Paso. You disagree with Mayor Buttigieg on decriminalizing legal border crossings. Please respond. I do, because in my administration, after we have waived citizenship fees for green card holders, more than 9 million of our fellow Americans, freed dreamers from any fear of deportation, and stopped criminally prosecuting families and children for seeking asylum and refuge, and for-profit detention in this country, and then assist those countries in Central America so that no family ever has to make that 2,000-mile journey, then I expect that people who come here follow our laws and we reserve the right to criminally prosecute them. I don't think either of their proposals are that far off from each other. What it seems like Pete is saying is uh, pretty simple. He, he'll, um, he'll prosecute uh, border crossers criminally and in civil courts on a case-by-case basis. I think it, what he's trying to say is if they're actual criminals, mm-hmm. then we'll criminally prosecute them. But if they're just crossing because they're looking for more opportunity, we'll um, take them in, in the civil court and um, and then eventually give them a pathway. Maybe a civil, civil infraction. A civil infraction, right. right. Where, um, 
Whereas, and then I'm I'm not clear actually as to what he wants to do afterwards. He wasn't very clear. Yeah. On his, uh, no, Beto plan. seemed a little bit more clear. What it seems like he's saying is we're not gonna charge any dreamers that are in here right now. Um, and then in the future, he said anybody um, who crosses seeking asylum will not be criminal criminally uh, charged. Anybody seeking asylum. Okay. And then um, he said, however, if you cross the border illegally and you're not seeking asylum, then you're breaking the law and you'll have to be criminally prosecuted. Basically, he's sub- he's, he's supporting um, people um, following the uh, the current pathway to citizenship Indeed. or perhaps a pathway to citizenship that he'll later enact. He wants people to follow the system. And if they do, um, no criminal prosecution. He also did talk about uh, assisting countries in Central America. Yeah, to prevent them from even having, having to flee and take that fleeing. that dangerous journey. Yeah, uh, I think Beto has a had the strongest answer. Yeah, on immigration, and this is something that I like about him is that he his <laughs> ideas are they're fundamentally they're, good. Yeah, but he does. <laughs> He does this thing where he try he tries to mix uh, an inspirational speech. He tries to make it epic. With yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually it. That's literally yeah. it. He tries to make what he's saying epic. What he doesn't realize is that he, he doesn't need to. His ideas are good. This is something uh, Obama's former speechwriter said, John Favreau, is that. He was at a, uh, I think, an Oxford discussion, and, and you know, got real. Ooh. And he basically said that a lot, a lot of the times you find yourself, um, darn his exact words, but a summary of what he said was, a lot of the times you find yourself trying to make this huge inspirational speech, and then you get to something like the State of the Union or a lot of speeches where you just have to basically roll out policy and agenda. I think Beto has to learn to do that. I think he needs to find a healthy balance because State of the Union is more uh, policy based, right? Yeah. But he needs to find a healthy balance between just getting to the points and just mm-hmm. laying it out because this is something he he's done more of. He hasn't he didn't mm-hmm. always do this when he oh. was uh, running for a Senate. I see, I see. He'd just straight answer the question and he he'd move on. So mm-hmm. if we can get more of that, Beto, I think he, I still think he has has a shot. because yeah, I do like him. I do like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like him a lot more now, especially. So you we got into um gun violence briefly i think briefly briefly, briefly. and buddha judge on guns basically said 80 to 90 percent of republicans want universal background checks mm-hmm. and everyone basically at the same point but they mostly didn't really have a plan on how they would approach it yeah um i think the goal here i think the the, the biggest goal here is basically winning that um winning as many seats as you can mm-hmm. but as of now, there was no concrete plan. Um, and I've, I've tried finding this clip with mm. Judge, except, again, yeah. I'm sorry to have to go on another tangent, but yeah. if you see the way CNN's uploaded these videos, uh-huh. it's, um, for example, the one we're looking at, Elizabeth to Warren. It's Elizabeth Warren to Bullock. We don't play into Trump's hands, right? <laughs> but this is a 10-minute video, which maybe consists of two to three minutes of Warren and Bullock. Yeah. And MSNBC uploaded it in the way that when they talk about healthcare, you know they're talking about healthcare, right? Mm-hmm. This one, you kind of have to guess which segment is which. So that's another brief uh, 
dig at CNN for the way yeah. they approached it. Um, so yeah, gun violence was briefly. It was briefly. I know Amy. On. Amy said one thing that seems kind of interesting. She said that the problem right now isn't um, necessarily the government; it's the NRA. Because she said a lot of um, yeah, a lot of Republicans are like willing to enforce stronger background checks and stronger restrictions. She said she actually met with Trump. And she uh, and he told her he wants background checks. And then she says right after that meeting she had with him, he went to the NRA and he folded. The NRA convinced him otherwise. He basically, he chickened out with the NRA. And so she says this is always happening. The NRA and lobbyists are, um, they're like, they're, they're, they're shaping... They're shaping uh, our gun policies by by just lobbying all these mm-hmm. politicians. She said the politicians honestly don't really care. I mean, okay, now I'm kind of just uh, guessing here, but it seems like she thinks the, the the politicians don't particularly care. They're just taking the money from the NRA and shutting up. Right. That's her idea. She says we need to take on the NRA. That's the biggest thing. She repeats it a few times, and then um, I think Sanders just said, "Yeah, we're gonna." We're gonna pass background checks, eliminate loopholes, and all that. So he gives like a few examples. Do you think this rhetoric that Democrats want to take away your guns is now has now been um is now gone? Because that was a huge thing th- uh, three yeah. years ago. You think it's gone now? Oh well, um, I don't think it's gone, but I think hopefully people are more uh, willing to listen. Because a lot of Democrats right now are saying the same thing: keep your um. This is what Swalwell said actually at the first debate. He said, "Keep your shotguns, keep your rifles, keep your." handguns we're just going to take away all assault weapons mm-hmm. and not every um democrat wants to take away assault weapons but yeah he said we're going to take away all assault weapons yang is um you said it was in favor yeah he actually wants to keep them but we'll get we, we can get to that we'll get but, to that yeah but and then he said um you know ban high capacity magazines and then you know have red flags for uh, people who have a history of mental health problems people who have a history of domestic abuse so the Repl- i mean uh, a lot of the democrats don't want to take away guns and I really do hope that people are listening. All they want to do is reduce the possibility of guns being used to harm people in a non-self-defense way. Right. I think the the idea that Democrats want to take away your guns mm. is just wrong, mainly because... Yeah, that's a real Republican talking point. Yeah, I, I, I believe that people should have the right to bear arms. I do, right? Mm-hmm. But there are certain weapons that do not belong on the street specifically if these weapons were designed for killing as many people as possible right? yeah um so that being said again universal background checks are something we need and again if 80 to 90 percent of republicans want universal background checks yeah i do oh my god that was, <laughs> that was the worst voice crack i've ever had that wasn't a crack that was just i don't even know what that was <laughs> You went back to age 12 yeah. for a brief moment. <laughs> oh my goodness. You good? I am I'm tip-top shape right now. <laughs> Doing great. Well, let's just talk about uh, Yang's thing real quick. Right. Or uh, I guess we could... They don't talk about guns in that debate, so let's talk about it now. Okay. Yeah, basically Yang has this tier system um, where um, there's three tiers and you need to get certification to qualify for each tier. You get a special license for each tier. Right. And... Um, Starts with tier one, ends at tier three, and each consecutive tier includes the benefits from the lower tier. Tier one is like handguns. Tier two is like um, hunting and uh, hunting weapons and other larger types of guns. And then mm-hmm. tier three is um, the the ability to own uh, assault weapons. 
and his deal with assault weapons is he has this huge list of stuff uh, of things you can't do. He um, says you have to submit your DNA and fingerprints to the FBI if you want to own a, an assault weapon. And he says um, you have to get your uh, you have to do mandatory training every year. He bans like high capacity magazines. So his thing is like you can keep the assault weapons, but we're just gonna lock you down. Make sure you're only using them for recreational use. Because, I mean, people do do that. Like, people just like to shoot fucking guns at targets, right? He said, you can keep them for... If for some, if for some reason you want an assault weapon, you can keep it. We're just going to lock you down. The problem with that plan... I just don't understand why you need it. But yeah, and the thing is, people are going to circumvent the laws somehow. If somebody really right, wants to harm exactly. people, they will find a way around all these loopholes. Uh, I mean, all these um, roadblocks. So what if you submit your DNA and uh, fingerprints to the FBI after you shoot up a... A church, like, sure, they'll have an easy time tracking you down, but right. you're, you, people are already dead. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's my two cents on that. If Yang can fix that, that'd be just great. But he's definitely he's he's trying to get a lot of the disaffected Trump voters. He's he's trying to get everybody across the spectrum. So that's that's a little bit of of, of pandering from him, I would say. Right. Or maybe it's a personal belief of his. Who knows? I I don't know. I don't know. We need to call out white supremacy for what it is, domestic terrorism, and it poses a threat to the United States of America. We live in a country now where the president is advancing environmental racism, economic racism, criminal justice racism, healthcare racism. The way we do better is to fight back and show something better. So I have a plan, for example, on education that says, we have to build a better education system for all our kids, but we've got to acknowledge what's happened on race. So my plan has universal tuition-free college for all of our kids, but also increases the Pell Grants and levels the playing field by putting $50 billion into historically black colleges and universities. It cancels student loan debt for 95% of the kids with student loan debt and helps close the black-white wealth gap in America. Thank you, Senator, very much. I don't think it's all-encompassing. It's a step in the right direction, right. though. Thing is, like, she's actually, she actually has a plan. That's the thing. A lot of these uh, politicians they say don't. they give vague mm -hmm. ideas. They're like, we're going to promote this, promote that. She said we're going to invest uh, money into historically black, black colleges. We're going to call out white supremacy for what it is. She said she's going to use resource. Um, I can't remember the specifics. She's going to put certain resources in certain areas, mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. At least she has a plan. I think she said she's trying to go from the angle of educating the youth prevents them from taking on these extremist ideas because it gives them worldly understanding. I think that's right. I think there's more to be done. But again, she probably knows that. She's probably just trying to get and as much in. education does play a huge role in... Um I think shaping your ideas. Yeah. So that's uh, good for her. I mean, yeah, that solid plan. And then we had. She's looking the, real good right now. We had the, we had that moment where Marianne Williamson shined with the reparations. Yes. Uh, she had a solid answer with that. Mm -hmm. Miss Williamson, many of your opponents support a commission to study the issue of reparations for slavery, but you are calling for up to five hundred billion dollars in financial assistance. What makes you qualified to determine how much is owed in reparations? Well, first of all, it's not $500 billion in financial assistance. It's $500 billion, 200 to $500 billion payment of a debt that is owed. That is what reparations is. 
We need some deep truth telling when it comes. We don't need another commission to look at evidence. I appreciate what uh, Congressman O'Rourke has said. It is time for us to simply realize that this country will not heal. All that a country is is a collection of people. People heal when there's some deep truth telling. We need to recognize that when it comes to the economic gap between blacks and whites in America, it does come from a great injustice that has never been dealt with. That great injustice has had to do with the fact that there was 250 years of slavery followed by another 100 years of domestic terrorism. What makes me qualified to say 200 to 500 billion dollars? I'll tell you what makes me qualified. If you did the math of the 40 acres and a mule, given that there was four to five million slaves at the end of, of, of the Civil War, there were four to five, and they were all promised 40 acres and a mule for every family of four. If you did the math today, it would be trillions of dollars. And I believe that anything less than 100 billion dollars is is an insult, and I believe the 200 to 500 billion is, is politically feasible today because so many Americans realize there is an injustice that continues to form a toxicity underneath the surface, an emotional turbulence Ms. that Williamson, only reparations Thank will you be. very much. So this is a candidate, Marianne Williamson, who uh, has made reparations central to her campaign, actually. Yeah. Um, I think it's pretty, um, pretty kick-ass of her to do that. She's, she's, just, uh, she's doing it in a very respectful way. Right. So as a privileged white woman, you know, you wouldn't expect her to be the one championing it. But um, yeah, she's just doing it. In, uh, she's conducting it very well, I think. Now into economics. 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 Okay. Economics was something that was briefly, again, touched on. Mm. Not much was said. There was another spat between Delaney and Warren where Warren had yeah. to uh, progressively obliterate him. Yes, she did. And... uh Delaney basically thinks that Warren wants to isolate other countries. Mm -hmm. um, and Warren wants to bring Americans to the table to decide what's best for Americans. Yeah. And that results in Delaney thinking that that's what... Um, he thinks that that's where Warren wants to isolate okay. other countries. And she's, I think her point is that, no, I do not want to isolate other countries. I just think when making decisions regarding our country, mm. we need to bring people to the table who are in our country yeah. and who will benefit from these decisions mm. and i think was that the nafta debate or that uh, was that separate that was not entirely the okay. thing it played okay. into it um okay. and this was something that was also clear in debate two where which we will get to um kirsten gillibrand took on biden for a being a misogynist yeah and i, re I read the article mm. and that is complete mischaracterization of what he said oh really right exactly. I, 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 it's totally out, out of context Whoa. so i think what's happening is the weaker candidates know that they're the weaker candidates mm -hmm. and um they are cherry picking if we must yes and getting when they go into pick cherries they are getting strawberries and they think it's good <laughs> they think it's good enough and this is where they're like all right let's throw it at the candidate <laughs> no like, do your research. Yeah. Do you, and this is do you? This is something that just annoys me. Do you really think Warren's gonna isolate other countries the way that Trump has? Yeah. Or, like, why would she do that? Why would she do that? It makes no sense. It's like they're trying to find something that's wrong with them, latch mm -hmm. onto it so they could take them down. This is someone, by the way, Delaney, who's basically bought himself on that stage. Yeah, man. Um. Again, like I said earlier, now it's like something in the millions. John Delaney is someone who I would not feel comfortable being in office, that being said, better than the one that we have right now. But yeah, I, the yeah, reason yeah. I wouldn't 
feel comfortable with him being in office because, again, he did prove that he's willing to fight for certain things if they're popular. Yeah. And sometimes the right thing to do is not popular. Mm-hmm. And Delaney does not understand that. Yeah, he's just so focused on getting elected. Either get with the game or get off the stage. Yeah. So then we got into student debt. So again, student economics debt. was something that was briefly touched on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was more touch on it in the second debate, I think. But not as much. Like Not, not uh, as much as you'd hope. Yeah, overall, overall, pretty little. We had Bernie Sanders' College for All Act. Before we get into it, this is according to a Yahoo Finance article. Okay. Undergraduates face a 4.53% interest rate for federal subsidized student loans, but rates for private loans can exceed 10%. Sanders mm. included it in his College for All Act. Hickenlooper discussed a 2.5% rate, and Beto O'Rourke has pushed for a 3.4% rate. Okay. Uh, this is Sanders' College for All Act from his, this was pulled mm. from his Senate website. Okay. This is the summary points from a summary student loan interest rates would be cut almost in half for undergraduate students dropping from 4.32 percent to just 2.32 percent in addition the legislation would ensure rates never rise above 8.25 percent okay to go a little bit more into it the legislation would provide 47 billion dollars per year to states to eliminate undergraduate tuition and fees at public colleges and universities all right. So, um, which plan you digging? Hickenlooper, Bethel, are the ones proposed, Bernie? Yeah, this is a hard one because um, on the surface, Bernie's plan sounds the best, obviously. I mean, we're students also. And we're students. We're students, right. We're students, and we both go to public schools. So Bernie's plan sounds the best. There's probably so many details um, that we didn't hear about from the other two people's plans. Of course, though, Bernie's, Bernie's sounds the best to me, and I'm sure a lot of people. Because education is is the key to living a better life right. in many cases. So if you can afford cheap uh, or, in this case, free education, why why would you not want it? Mm-hmm. But uh, another important you know thing to, to note is that um, not everybody goes to college. And college does not guarantee success. And success is not... That is true. Um, it doesn't lie, rely on um, having gone to college. College is just one way to get there a lot of people are successful without going to college they get associate's degrees they get certificates they um go into the workforce there is a shifting tide in that yeah nowadays there um i may be wrong but um i think the number is like 30 ish percent of of people ended up graduating college and securing a degree i can guarantee you there's a lot more so that may be in the united states in the united states okay. that's i want to say i heard that somewhere Disclaimer, that could be horribly wrong. Let's look that up. Let's look it up right now, yeah. As of last March, 30.4% of people over age 25 in the United States held at least a bachelor's degree, 10.9% held a graduate degree, and 26.2% and 8.7% 10 years earlier. Um, This is according to the New York Times. New York Times, okay. The Hill says 33%, so... Yeah, roughly around the 30. around that time, okay. Yeah, so that's the thing. 30% people are completing a bachelor's degree. And I'm sure a lot of them are experiencing success, but a lot of people who don't. I got to look at the stats of how many of those are employed. Yeah, that's an important. Even the ones who, to... who who haven't graduated with a bachelor's degree, right? Yeah, there yeah. are a lot of factors which go into this. There are. Bernie's plan is good, but yeah, he should expand his focus to people who don't plan to go to college. I do like. I, I like. I like his plan. I like um, it too. You, you are right. 
mm-hmm. about that. It works for me. It works for my that friends. That plays a little bit into Yang's freedom dividend. That's exactly Yang's freedom dividend's idea. Uh, Yang's freedom dividend would subsidize anybody who goes to college, but it would also subsidize anybody who doesn't go to college. Let's get into the um, Yang's freedom dividend real quick. Real I mean, quick. Yang's another guy. Like, they could put him in the cabinet if they wanted to. A lot of these people are worthy of cabinet positions. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say this. Um, Jay Inslee. If Jay Inslee. He, I love Jay Inslee. If he debate. does not get the. Um, the nomination mm-hmm. for president, right? Mm-hmm. And we still have a Democrat in the White House. Mm-hmm. Get him in charge of the EPA. Absolutely, dude. He knows exactly what, what he wants. He knows what and we he's, need. he's taken action on it, too. He's, yes. he's not all talk. No. He's, he walks that talk. And he's so professional, too. All right. So um, universal basic income. Every American gets $1,000 per month at the age of 18 until they die. Until they die. Freedom dividend will cost $1.8 or $2 trillion a year. This will be financed by a value-added tax, which is an indirect tax given to government at every stage of production of an item. So the value-added tax on tech companies. Yeah, So primarily. that is Andrew Yang's Freedom Dividend. I know you're a huge... I'm a huge, huge fan of Andrew Yang. Andrew Yang Gang? I don't know. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a member of the Yang Gang unofficially. Thing is, I don't know. What does that mean? I mean, I, I haven't like. Well, I'm not on his mailing list. Okay. <laughs> I'm not on his mailing list. All right. But no, I'm I'm full Yang Gang. I just I wish his uh, I wish he was stronger in foreign policy and in um, and on that debate stage. And on that debate stage, um, we'll get into that in the next. Uh, we'll get into next, that next debate. But yeah, uh, just an important detail too is that the freedom dividend is an opt-in dividend. So three trillion is the cost if everybody opts in. But um, you can you can choose to keep your Medicare, um, I mean welfare. You can choose to keep your welfare and other government um, benefits, or you can choose to go with a freedom dividend. So the uh, the the end cost would be less than three trillion, because not everybody would opt in. Um, before we move on to the second debate, North Korea. North Korea. They want Kim Ryan stuff. said we shouldn't meet with dictators. Yeah, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> what? Tim Ryan, I, I I get what he's saying, I do, but then Amy went and said it perfectly. I think. I think you have to be willing to meet every yeah. leader. And that's what she said. She's like, we shouldn't, you know, count out the possibility of meeting with them. Right. You know. So the questions on foreign policy didn't really do much. You had Hickenlooper di- disagreeing with Beto and Buttigieg about withdrawing from Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, but there was no rebuttal between them, and they moved on to nuclear proliferation which didn't really again you got nothing out of it and there was a brief conflict between warren and steve bullock on on nuclear proliferation and i don't know why yeah i don't don't know why bullock started that argument that was kind of a weird thing i think cnn might have spurred that too with the questioning Mm -hmm. because uh didn't warren basically just say like we shouldn't be the first to act like, we shouldn't launch missiles first. Right. We should she never did, she did say that. Yeah, yeah, we should never launch first. I think she's introduced a legislation. Okay. Where it would there would be an agreement not that America would not launch okay. first. Okay. So, let's get on to that second debate. Second debate time. Clear winners for me were Booker and Castro Booker for calling out CNN, only going on the attack when he needed to. Agreed. He was a very, he was a happy man up there. Booker was enjoying himself, <laughs> rightfully so. He, he was getting it. Great, great opening and great closing. Yeah. Up till where they all plugged in. 
you can plug their website. By the way, <laughs> don't plug your website. We know it's easier to just look you up than add a .com to it. Just, just, just stop it. Just we, we, we'll, we'll look you up if you want to. Okay. Yeah. And um, Biden said one thing about texting. He's like, go to. Then he gave the number we're supposed to text. That's what I'm saying. He messed up. He should have said text to this number. I think that's valid because he was saying he was even texting number. But or he, just say I'm a Joe Biden and end it. Just <laughs> don't play into the dot com. As dude. if we don't know who Joe Biden is. And uh, again, Booker's take on criminal justice reform yeah, was man. great, and Castro was a win for me because he he laid out plans. He did yes, have he plans. Did. Uh, yes, he did. I think his super strong on border on, security. His take on immigration is a little bit. I think it, it's a little bit confused right now. Okay, and I'll get into that. Yeah. Um, but let's get back into healthcare. 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 So this is Kamala's new plan. Kamala pl- uh, rolled out her plan on Monday. Yeah. So Senator Kamala Harris released a healthcare plan that will transition every American into her version of Medicare for all system within 10 years. So you have mm. Bernie and Warren, four years. Mm-hmm. You have Kamala Harris, 10 years. This plan will Yeah, allow- Bennett, two years. Bennett, two years. Bennett, two years. And then you have- I think, yeah. Um, this plan will allow private insurers to remain if they follow the new rules. This is her quote. Medicare will set the rules of the road for these plans, including price and quality, and private insurance companies will play by those rules, not the other way around. Mm. That being said, you could tell this is a plan that she rolled out on Monday because yes. she was not able to sell it. Uh. <laughs> because 10 years is actually not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, you know? that's fair. That's I think fair. I think it's a fair amount of time. I think it's mm-hmm. reasonable. But every time someone attacked her on it, she was like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> Biden sucks. <laughs> that was it. That was literally it. That was night two. That was, that was, that was <laughs> night two. Biden sucks. Biden, <laughs> Biden sucks and Kamala can't defend herself. And then Biden uh, wants to build on to Obamacare. Uh, this is what he had to say on his um, campaign website, actually. Okay. It was great being part of the first Democratic debate in Miami. The question was asked whether we support eliminating private health insurance. Some said yes, I said absolutely not. I believe we have to protect and build on Obamacare. That's why I proposed adding a public option to Obamacare as the best way to lower costs and cover everyone. I understand the appeal of Medicare for all, but folks supporting it should be clear that it means getting rid of Obamacare. And I'm not for that. I was very proud the day I stood there with Barack Obama and he signed that legislation. Never before had anyone ever been able to do that in the White House. 20 million Americans gained coverage. Over 100 million with pre-existing conditions finally got protection. But most importantly, peace of mind. You know, I know how hard it is to get that passed. I watched it. Starting over makes no sense to me at all. I knew the Republicans would do everything in their power to repeal Obamacare. They still are. But I'm surprised that so many Democrats are running on getting rid of it. The Affordable Care Act was a historic achievement for President Obama. And if I'm elected president, I'm going to do everything in my power to protect it and build on it. So he uses this line where he says, but that'll require getting rid of Obamacare. How are you feeling about that? Because here's the deal. Mm. I, don't, I hate playing this what if scenario, but what if? Yeah, what if? <laughs> what if? Um, do you think Obama would be in favor of a Medicare for all system? Because my thing is, if you can get a better plan, mm-hmm. why not go for it? That's the thing, man. I think his whole approach towards it, that means getting rid of Obamacare is a bad approach. So you're saying, uh, did Biden say his approach was getting rid of Obamacare? He, he said, 
He's, he said that he understands the appeal for Medicare for all, uh, but that means getting rid of Obamacare. Oh, yeah. But my thing is, should he really be promoting that as a catch? No, yeah, that's not, like, why not Why not both? Because I do have uh, relatives where Obamacare is assisting them. Yeah. And I've actually talked to them, and I've asked them, mm. if you could go for a better option, would you? I've gone to the extent of even asking some of my relatives, if you could get rid of private insurance, would you... Um, would you, would you do it? And they said, if it meant getting a better plan, I would. Mm, yeah. So I don't think Biden's approach of going, sell of, of, of selling it as you're going to get rid of Obamacare if you go for Medicare for all is a proper approach to yeah. this. Because if Medicare for all is better, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Obamacare uh, always confused me with its tier system. It feels a little bit, um, a little bit lopsided, a little bit... Uh, I think regressive. it was a step. I think I think Obamacare was a step to get to what we're trying to get to now. Uh, okay. Because if you did not have Obamacare, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. then we wouldn't get to where we are getting, where we're going now. That's that being fair. said, Bernie Sanders did introduce the idea of healthcare a long time ago. It's been there for a while. But yeah. again, it took oh, 30 oh, years to cut through the mist. Obama's that good middle middle ground. Yeah, he was. Um, again, I'm very thankful for Obama starting the discussion on a lot of things yeah yeah in that respect yes and then you had uh Gillibrand had a good attack for um on for-profit insurance yeah and then booker just attacked cnn <laughs> <laughs> yes he did for pitting dems but he didn't really roll out his plan he did not and that but, was the thing booker sounded awesome but i didn't hear a lot of substance from him you had you had people like Buttigieg and booker attacking cnn mm-hmm. when they were trying to deflect like they had a, they had a point in what yeah. they were saying but they didn't answer their question yeah. they did not in terms of healthcare, i just want to roll through these candidates and see if anybody said anything that was kind of striking here um oh yeah so kamala took a lot of criticism for her plan from Michael Bennett. And there was the thing. He says Kamala's plan eliminates employer-based insurance and uh and taxes the middle class. We should have options, he says. And she's like, "Yeah. But like, uh my insurance is better than employer-based insurance." And and then Bennett, you know, continues and and they're friends. They said it. But there it was a friendly debate. But he said, "Um yeah, but like if we give people options, we let them choose what they want, we can get everybody on um we can, we can achieve universal health care in two years, not ten. So his plan is going for efficiency. I think her plan is going for completeness, and she wants to take ten years to do it. The problem is, uh, if she doesn't, um, you know, if she ends up winning, implementing her plan, um, and then losing the election for a second term, she still has six years to go, and the government could completely wreck her plan. You know, it could be the Obamacare thing, where the plan itself was... Um, not a bad plan, but it got mm-hmm. pushed back, which made it look bad. Right. Bennett's plan for just getting in and giving people the option. That's the biggest argument for giving people the option to have both public or private. You still need time to get a proper transition. Yeah. To have a proper t- transition. Yeah. And then, you know, Bennett and um, Pete and others arguing that giving people the option gets everybody in health care very fast. It guarantees universal health care quickly. And from there, we work. From there, we work on improving it. I think Kamala's plan is probably a good plan. I haven't read it yet um, in its entirety. But yeah, I agree that um, eliminating employer-based insurance, while like not a bad thing because their alternative might be better, it might not be the best plan 
and turn in the eyes of the people because people don't want to be told what to do. Americans like choice. So uh, I, I'm with Bennett on that one. I think Kamala should consider... So you're saying that you think Bennett has the best healthcare plan? I don't think he has the best healthcare plan. I'm just saying between Kamala and Bennett. Okay. Because that was a big thing. Um, I, I'm going to go with Bennett. Okay. In general, I, I'm i going to side with uh, giving choice. Giving choice to keep public or private. Yeah, just one more thing about Biden uh, in terms of uh, healthcare, which made him look really bad in my opinion. Kamala makes a quip about um, her plan is going to stop insurance companies from profiting off of sickness she says let's talk math oh, i remember that she's like let's talk math anyway that's not this that's not the point so she's talking about yeah her her plan her plan's gonna you know prevent um profiteering of these insurance companies and then biden goes and says my plan um limits how much insurance companies should charge and then he says we should jail these insurance executives that have profiteered off of people people um that are sick he this says biden, we should, this is biden biden, right. biden says we should be jailing these executives that's such a regressive thing to say he already has a bad history as being the father of mass incarceration in uh congress uh, according to his voting record and now here he is years later when most of the party wants to get rid of mass incarceration he's talking about jailing these executives for um, non-violent crimes it's a debate for sure there's probably a lot that goes into it but my surface level reaction is like what a insensitive thing to say to a party that doesn't want to be putting people in jail unless they're dangerous people right right um, but i think they should not not to the extent of p- placing them in jail maybe but they should still be held accountable they should be held accountable through extensive fines right. and they should exactly. be clamped down not allowed to continue business right because they can afford the fines too but that's that, that's what i would go for yeah i was leaning towards that actually yeah that's because that that punishes them it does not uh take away their freedom they didn't do anything uh, violent or dangerous. I think he was trying to win a. Uh, Actually, dangerous, maybe, but not. You know, you know, you, you guys know what I mean. I think he's trying to win a certain. The moderates. I don't know about that. I think he was trying to make a point in saying that, the way that, for-profit insurance <laughs> basically cheats people is terrible, yeah. and they should be held responsible. But. I think he thought by saying that they should be put in jail, he's winning some people over. But then you have a few mm. head scratches saying, wait a minute. Yeah. that You shouldn't be saying that. Yeah. If I was him, I would have said, we need to hold these people accountable and left it at that. And I would have given more details if they asked. I would have gone the extent of saying that they need to be fined. Yeah. Actually, that would have been good. That would have been great. Yeah. Not putting them in jail. In- yeah. Like, oh, oh, Biden. That's, that's an old... That's like a that's 70s mentality. Right. This is this is 50 you years You know what later. Biden reminded me of this last night and probably that first night? Mm. He's basically Lightning McQueen in Cars 3. Where, where he, can't, <laughs> he, can't, he can't finish the race and he has yeah. to... He, he just either amp up your energy yeah. and do apologize for the things that you've done uh-huh. or get off the stage again. Yeah. Stick your tongue out at the finish line. Triple tie. Go to... Um, Dynamo. <laughs> That's the entire plot is, of cars. Is, is Dynamo the presidency? Yes. Dynamo the presidency. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> All right. If you elect me president, you're not electing me to follow. You're electing me to lead. And open borders is a right-wing talking point. And frankly, I'm disappointed uh, that some folks, including some folks on this stage, have taken the bait. The only way 
that we're going to guarantee that we don't have family separations in this country again is to repeal Section 1325 of the Immigration Nationality Act. That is the law that this president, this administration is using to incarcerate migrant parents and then physically separate them from their children. My immigration plan would also make sure that we put undocumented immigrants who haven't committed a serious crime on a pathway to citizenship, that we do a 21st century Marshall Plan with Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala so that we can get to the root of this challenge so people can find safety and opportunity at home instead of having to come to the United States. That's how we can be smarter, more effective, and more humane when it comes He gave the act that needs to be repealed again Yeah. this last time, and he had, he had a plan about um, investing resources in the Central American countries. That being said, 1325 is a law that makes illegal entry a criminal violation. Yeah. Um, Castro would make it a civil violation. So this is the um, history of that act. Okay. Bush and Obama, the, both Bush and the Obama administration started prosecuting cases under 1325 because immigration courts were backlogged. Oh, okay. Um, and they still are backlogged. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think what he doesn't realize is that it's easier to pass a law banning family separation mm-hmm. than to repeal that entire um, act. Yeah. That is the way to go. And I think the, the issue here <laughs> is that he thinks he has a one-up over these people by talk keep on talking about 1325 and how we have to repeal it. Even that last time when he took on better, it's like, oh, but do you know about 1325? <laughs> yeah. Um, look, pass a law banning family separation, mm. but the reason 1325 exists, again, is because courts were backlogged. Yeah. I think he just needs to restructure that a little bit. I don't know if he will because he's talked about it so much. It's pretty dead set. Yeah, he seems pretty set on this um, issue. I think other, other people were talking um, or were saying, it's, you know, it's, um, their idea was not repeal 1325, but just um, don't have Trump in the White House because he's using right. 1325 as a tool. Because 1325 is still a, a tool that can be used in other situations like backlogged courts. People are thinking um, uh, instead of just, yeah, don't... No, don't uh, you know, we don't need to repeal the law, uh, the section. Right. We just need to um, avoid using it to harm people. Okay, so Yang gave a weak answer, which then mm-hmm. played into Biden, which then played into Booker making a statement, um, basically attacking Biden on immigration relating. Um, he basically related Biden to Trump by agreeing with Yang about bringing in those who have PhDs for, I believe, a longer amount of time yeah. than said, those who yeah, don't. Come on in if you have a PhD. And he was, that, was, that was another a great, that was a great moment from Booker because he yeah. was right. Because whenever Biden said that, I was like, what are you saying? He was probably getting us something bigger, but he ran out of time. He ran out of time. And he's the polite Biden. He never talks over. Polite rarely. Biden is something we we should not see at these debates. <laughs> yeah. Because so, yeah. the thing is, when he when he uh, wants to get yeah. nasty, he can do it, mm-hmm. and that is clear in the Biden Paul Ryan debate, vice presidential debate in twenty twelve. Uh, he completely obliterated Paul Ryan. Oh man! And I do think that Biden's team needs to prep him in basically again apologizing for what he's done, right? And I don't think when it came to Kirsten and. The Kirsten v. Biden moment. Yeah, that 
he may have remembered what exactly he said. Mm-hmm. He should really just, again, he needs to get his shit together. Oh, and with the Kirsten thing, too. She actually unearthed that piece of dirt six days prior to the debate. And she she revealed herself, (laughs) giving Biden six days to come up with a rebuttal. But Biden still didn't have a rebuttal. He still didn't have a rebuttal, yeah. But if she really wanted to blindside him, she should have kept quiet and then just sprung this on him in the debate. I don't know why she missed the opportunity to be awesome. I was expecting her to go after the Anita Hill. Anita Um, Hill incident that i mean biden did apologize he did apologize for that right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just like i am asking him to apologize for some other things right? yeah I, I think he's relying too much on his debate prep team that yeah. if it's something that comes out of what he's prepared he's too afraid to be some um to be a candidate that's able to think on the spot because yeah. he thinks it'll lead to something else yeah he's trusting his team a little bit too much perhaps and his team is probably trying to get him to um, appeal to the middle-class adult voters. This is a crisis in our country because we have treated issues of race and poverty, mental health and addiction with locking people up and not lifting them up. And Mr. Vice President has said that since the 1970s, every major crime bill, every crime bill, major and minor, has had his name on it. And sir, those are your words, not not mine. And this is one of those instances where the house was set on fire and you claimed responsibility for those laws. And you can't just now come out with a plan to put out that fire. We have got to have far more bold action Mm -hmm. on criminal justice reform, like having true marijuana justice which means that Thank we you, legalize Booker. it on a federal level Thank you, Senator and reinvest the profits in communities Thank you, that have Booker. been disproportionately targeted by Vice President marijuana Biden, enforcement. Vice President Biden, I want to give you a chance to respond. The fact is that the bills that the president, that the, excuse me, the future president here, that, that, that the senator is talking about are bills that were passed years ago and they're passed overwhelmingly. Since 2007, I, for example, tried to get the crack powder cocaine totally d- disparity, totally eliminated. In 2007, you became mayor, and you had a police department that was, you went out and you hired Rudy Giuliani's guy, you engaged in stop and frisk, you had 75% of those stops reviewed as illegal, you found yourself in the situation where three times as many African-American kids were caught in that chain and caught up. The Justice Department came after you for saying you were were engaging in behavior that was inappropriate, and then, in fact, uh, nothing happened. The entire time you were mayor. Thank you, Sen- uh, Senator Booker. You want to respond? Well, first of all, I'm grateful that he endorsed my presidency already. But I'll right. tell you this: it's no secret that I inherited a criminal, uh, a police department with massive problems and decades-long challenges. But the head of the ACLU has already said, um, the head of the New Jersey ACLU, that I put forth national standard-setting accountability. Mr. Time? Vice President, Mr. Vice President, I didn't interrupt you. Please show me that respect, sir. We have a system right now that's broken. And if you want to compare records, and frankly, I'm shocked that you do, uh, I am happy to do that. Because all of the problems that he is talking about that he created, I actually led the bill that got passed into law that reverses the damage that your bills, that you were, frankly, to correct you, Mr. Vice President, you were bragging, calling it the Biden crime bill up till 2015. Vice President Biden. Number one, the bill he talks about is a bill that, in my, our administration, we passed. We passed that bill that you added on to. That's the bill, in mm-hmm. fact, you passed. 
And the fact of the matter is, secondly, the, there was nothing done for the entire eight years he was mayor. There was nothing done to deal with the police department that was corrupt. Why did you announce in the first day a zero tolerance policy of stop and frisk and hire Rudy Giuliani's guy in 2007 when I was trying to get rid of the crack cocaine uh, Mr. Vice President, there's a saying in my community, you're dipping into the Kool-Aid and you don't even know the flavor. Uh, you, need to, <laughs> you need to come to the city of Newark and see the reforms that we put in place. The New Jersey head of the ACLU has said that I embraced reforms, not just in action, but in deed. Sir, you are trying to shift the you from what you created. There are people right now in prison for life for drug offenses because you stood up and used that tough on crime, phony rhetoric that got a lot of people elected, but destroyed communities like mine. This isn't about the past, sir. This is about the present right now. I believe in Thank redemption. You, I'm happy you evolved. I want to bring in but Secretary. But you offered no redemption to the people in wanna... prison right now. This is a big boy Booker, for lack of a better adjective. <laughs> big Booker's, boy Booker. He's out here to fight today. He has a lot of spirit. I think he's always had that spirit, though, on, like the, from the last debate, at least. Last debate, I saw it. But this debate, I felt like he put into action, especially in this moment. But you're you're, you're right. Like he He's always been really energetic, uh, you know. Guy that's ready to get stuff done. I think the worst defense Biden had was when he said that he trusted Obama's judgment to select him as vice president in yeah. uh, in 08. Right. He has this tendency, and Booker frankly called it out, where Biden hides behind Obama, then says, oh, that was Obama, this isn't me. Mm. But when it's a convenient, he does hide behind Obama. And then he said, um, well, Obama selected me, so I must be legit. Yeah. Like, what the hell? That is not, that is not an argument. That's not how it works. I, I, I'd like to think that that wasn't a talking point, because his campaign should be hiring the best people. They have yeah. the money to hire the best people, right? Yeah, yeah. And, again, last time, I'm going to say this, it's just, it's, it's not showing. Yeah. What's the deal, though, with um, Biden asking Booker about um, him hiring Rudy Giuliani's guy? I don't even know who, which guy he's talking about. And he, then Booker um, just uh, doesn't answer the question. He didn't he didn't directly answer the question, but he he did say that whatever I did um the ACLU basically supported my decisions. Okay. But he does not directly answer it. Oh yeah, He does deflect thing. by he does deflect by saying you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. AKA Kool-Aid. Yeah. He used that Kool-Aid remark. Yeah, the Kool-Aid remark was great for the for the viewers there. That was a pretty ooh moment. Because it's, I mean, it's true. He's, he's I mean, then again, you did have Gillibrand also talking about Cloroxing the White House. That was hilarious. <laughs> that was that was a humorous quip. But yeah, I mean, he's, he's right. Like, he's invested a lot of time in Newark and it shows. So you had that, that, that beef, that moment of beef between the two. And then you had Castro, who has a police reform plan. So, um... Buckle up, folks. Here it is. Buckle up, folks. <laughs> um, this is according to the Texas Tribune, article from the Texas Tribune. Castro's proposal would set up national standards for police departments that receive federal funding. To combat over-aggressive pricing, the plan would limit the use of deadly force to when there is an imminent threat to the life of another person. All other reasonable alternatives have been exhausted. The plan also calls for things like body cameras, anti-bias training, and legis legislation to prohibit stop and frisk policies that let 
police officers stop and search people they deem suspicious. On the accountability front, Castro would create a publicly national, a public national database of officers who have been decertified and collect better data on police stops. Mm. Bolstering existing reporting programs. He also would push for a legislation that would lower the threshold at which cops can face prosecution for misconduct. And finally, to build more trust between law enforcement and the community, Castro says he would demilitarize the police by issuing an executive order to prevent them from obtaining items including tracked and wheeled armored vehicles and high caliber rifles. His plan also takes on the idea of broken windows, policing by calling for police to put less of a priority on pursuing low-level crime that does not impact public safety. Yeah, okay. So I think he basically, what he he did say was he just stood up there and said, I have a crime, a a criminal plan. Yeah. Uh, It's it's a huge plan. Again, it's it's a Texas Tribune article, so go check it out. Yeah. What I keep on saying is, some of these people you want to keep around. If if they don't get the nomination, they don't they don't yeah. win the. If if the Democrats get the White House, um, some of these people do have great plans. Uh, like I said, with Castro and Warren, this won't. And Castro already was around. Wait, Castro was in the cabinet. He was in the cabinet. He was in the so cabinet. They right. should bring him back. Bring him back bring on. Bring him back. Bring him back on. Um, again, Castro and Warren have presented plans which will take a better step towards addressing this issue. Yes. The shame, though, is these people have these detailed plans. You just can't communicate the details of right. the plan in a debate format. Because that, that took, what, about like two minutes, three yeah. minutes? And they're given a minute, I believe. And, yeah, um, I think 30 seconds. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Right. And 15 seconds for um, responses. So, um, and, you know, a lot of people aren't going to go out and research each individual candidate. Mm-hmm. So it would just be cool to see if, like, if there was a way for candidates to be able to give details on air. I want to bring the conversation back to the broken criminal justice system that is disproportionately negatively impacting black and brown people all across this country today. Now, Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president, but I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. She blocked evidence. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought to keep cash bail system in place that impacts poor people in the worst kind of way. Thank you, Congresswoman. Uh, Senator Harris, your response. As the elected attorney general of California, I did the work of significantly reforming the criminal justice system of a state of 40 million people, which became a national model for the work that needs to be done. And I am proud of that work. And I am proud of making a decision to not just give fancy speeches or be in a legislative body and give speeches on the floor, but actually doing the work of being in the position to use the power that I had to reform a system that is badly in need of reform. That is why we created initiatives that were about re-entering former offenders and getting them counseling. It is why, and because I know that criminal justice system is so broken, that I am an advocate for what we need to do to not only decriminalize, but legalize marijuana in the United States. I want to bring uh, Congresswoman uh, Gabbard back in your response the bottom line is senator harris when you were in a position to make a difference and an impact in these people's lives you did not and worse yet in the case of those who were on death row 
innocent people. You actually blocked evidence from being revealed that would have freed them until you were forced to do so. There is no excuse for that. And the people who suffered under your reign as prosecutor, oh, you owe them an apology. Senator Harris. <laughs> My entire career, I have been opposed, personally opposed to the death penalty, and that has never changed. And I dare anybody who is in a position to make that decision, to face the people I have faced to say, I will not seek the death penalty. That is my background. That is my work. I am proud of it. I think you can judge people by when they are under fire, and it's not about some fancy opinion on a stage, but when they're in the position to actually make a decision, what do they do? When I was in the position of having to decide whether or not to seek a death penalty on cases I prosecuted, I made a very difficult decision that was not popular to not seek the death penalty. History shows that, and I am proud of those decisions. Senator Harris, thank you very much. That was a moment. Yeah, Tulsi just went in. She had this look on her face right before she got on, which I think is awesome and really funny. She just has this, like, look. You're about to go down. It. You're yeah. about to go down. She's like, it's about to happen. So you had Kamala on CNN with Anderson Cooper after, mm -hmm. the, um, after the debate. I see. Here's the deal, though. And I'm going to play the Anderson Cooper clip, but okay. in this debate, and even in that interview with Cooper, uh -huh. Cooper, Cooper, she could not uh, defend herself. Yeah, she and couldn't she, say, no, I didn't do these things. Yeah, yeah. And I think that is, uh, that is concerning. And look, as a, as a DA, right, as a um, attorney general, mm -hmm. you are going to have to make decisions that are not popular, right? Yes. That being said... The stuff that uh, Representative Gabbard presented, you do need to address. Yes. And she did not when pressed three times, including that interview with Anderson Cooper. So this is this is that interview. It's the same problem with Biden, I think, where she has a rocky history. And instead of facing it head on, she's right. trying to sidestep it and just talk about her own agenda. She can still talk about her own agenda, but she needs to address the points as well. Otherwise, of she course. looks weak. Of course. Well, I mean, listen, I... This is going to sound immodest, but I'm obviously a top-tier candidate, and so I did expect that I would be on the stage and take hits tonight because there are a lot of people that are trying to make the stage for the next debate. Yeah, it's do, the, for a lot of them, it's do or die. Well, yeah, and especially when people are at zero or one percent or whatever she might be at. And so I did expect that I might take hits tonight. Um, but, you know, listen, I think that um, this coming from someone who has been an apologist for uh, a, 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 an individual, Assad, who has murdered um, the people of his of his country to like cockroaches um, she who has embraced and been an apologist for him in a way that she refuses to call him a war criminal um, I, I can only take what she says in her opinion so seriously um, and so I you know I'm prepared to move on I think identifying the fact that it's immodest and then going on to say that statement yeah. that whatever she's pulling at and um, it's like saying like I'm not trying to flex. I'm a top tier but candidate. I can speak twelve languages. Like what? <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't see Pete up there saying yeah I can speak Norwegian. Yeah. <laughs> it was immodest. You are immodest. I'm sorry. Yeah. Kamala Harris is immodest, and that showed it in this in, in this moment. Yeah. And I agree that hmm. Tulsi Gabbard does have a questionable um. She has a questionable history. History. Here's the difference though. She's credible because she has apologized for a lot of those things. That being said, um, and he, here's my thing on uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Mm. You do not support something that you do, you do not support conversion therapy. 
something that has been proven to um, mm-hmm. basically affect people in the way that they it increases suicide. It's um, harmful in all ways. It's, it's harmful in all ways, and you can make the argument that. Yes, Obama did say on the 08 campaign trail that he does not support um, gay people's right to marry. That being said, he did not sign or agree with something that would... He was not in support of conversion therapy. Right? Yeah, well, that's fair. That's, that's reasonable. I just think, though, in this case, at least she apologized, whereas Kamala hasn't seemed to apologize for anything yet. So okay. if it's a Kamala versus Tulsi thing... Tulsi, Tulsi has the credibility, and she had like it's fair for her to go mm-hmm. attacking Kamala. And, and and back to the clip, Kamala Harris did deflect. She did say, yeah. "Oh, look what she did," you know. Yeah. This this is what I'm. But look look what she did. And <laughs> again, she for the third time was not able to answer or support her uh, positions on what she did in the past. And I'm surprised nobody brought up the conversion therapy thing about Tulsi. They might be saving that actually though. That might be might be saving that for future debates. She's not a hard hitter yet. Not yet. Know? Maybe they're thinking it's not necessarily right now. Let me not look nasty. Uh, so we had that moment between Tulsi, Kamala. Tulsi got got the better of her, got the best of her, right? Yes, she did. Kamala deflected, and then we got into climate change. Climate change My featuring boy, Governor Jay, Jay Inslee. Inslee. Attacked Biden's plan. <laughs> Everybody just had to had to take a good swing of Biden. Yeah, man. Some missed, some some stuck. Some landed. Some landed. So it seems that everybody has a the same plan for climate change. Yeah. It's just that the difference between most people's plan and um, Biden <laughs> was that you know how fast do we approach this? Right. Inslee wants to do it as fast as possible. Biden is saying that. We should do it in a certain amount of time. And yes. it seems like we don't have that time. Yeah. And then uh, Yang basically said, we're going to become the film Wally. He gave an ominous answer. He's basically ominous saying we the, in about 10 years, we're going to be basically what Wally is. Yeah. Or Earth is Wally. Wally so is upon us. Upon us. <laughs> Wally. Wally's coming. Wally's coming. And there'll be nowhere to run. Also kind of uses the climate change thing to push UBI, which was weak. It was right. weak. It was probably his weakest answer of the night. But there's a lot he could have said, and there's a lot he's said in the past interviews mm-hmm. too. Individually, this is, was th- these were the standout candidates on climate change. Uh, Inslee attacked Biden's plan, had a plan that moves quicker than Biden. Biden said rejoin the Paris Climate Accord, which I think anybody's down for. I think Booker said that's ground zero. Yeah, that's not that even is, that commendable. Is ground zero. That's just something we should do by default. Uh, Yang Yang again was cynical, and Kirsten uh, introduced the Green New Deal. As he's a supporter of the Green New Deal. Yeah. So again, no one really disagreed on climate. My main takeaway of this is if, again, Inslee is not Democratic nominee, but we do have a Democrat in the White House, hire him, in, put mm-hmm. him in charge of the EPA. Get him in. He'll get him, do, get him do in a great there. job. Have him do something. Yeah. And regarding, then Tulsi, uh... regarding, regarding the environment. Yeah. Yeah, man. I just, he's such a focused dude. And then Tulsi is not a co sponsor of the Green New Deal, we found out. Um, I'm sure many people already knew that. She uh, she still thinks climate change is an existential threat. No need to focus on it. She just thinks there's other um, avenues we should explore. And she didn't quite specify. So not everybody here is Green New Deal. De Blasio did better. He did. Yeah, he had he a he had a better night. Oh yeah, they talked about lead. I think in um, in Flint. How do you how do you uh, prevent another Flint water situation? Yeah, and he said since 2005. 
We've brought down lead in New York City 90%. We're going to bring it to zero very quickly. He said um, part of the reason that we couldn't get it done sooner is because the federal government ignored New York City. Um, they didn't provide government aid in cleaning up the city, and it allowed all this lead to accumulate. So he said from there, he's, he's plugging his history here, which, which works because it's applicable. But he says, we went house to house, building to building. We just mm -hmm. cleared out all the lead. We right. hired uh, professionals to help us do that. We're going to do that with the rest of America. We're going to make it happen. And if there are barriers, we're going to get down on our hands and knees, do it ourselves. Strong answer, I thought. And it made him look good. Castro right? had a plan. Castro yeah. had a plan. Yeah, plan. This is, okay. here we go again. Uh, this is according to the Michigan Live article. Mm -hmm. Castro's plan has three main points. Increase resources to identify and remediate uh, lead hazards. Improve emergency response strategies and strengthen resources for families impacted by lead poisoning. Yeah. He also would convene a presidential task force charged with eliminating lead poisoning and coordinating partnerships with state and local governments. The plan includes directing $50 billion during the next decade, $5 billion per year to replace lead water pipes and remediate lead in paint and soil. Mm -hmm. The funds would target communities identified by a national assessment of lead poisoning risk factors. Castro also proposes increasing funding to a federal childhood lead poisoning prevention program by $100 million per year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, nothing where you can really something you can't really say in uh, thirty seconds. But. Yeah, he needs more time. He needs people to go to his rallies and watch his interviews. And I, I think something that is important is to watch the CNN town halls. Yeah, that's another thing. They did a pretty uh, decent job. They did a better job with their town halls than they did with their debates. <laughs> I can agree with that. The debates were something that I mean, the town halls were something I commended CNN on. I'm like, good, good for you, right? Yeah. And then the debates were not something. <laughs> not commendable and then um warren also said something in the last debate um the, the night one about climate change kind of on the same vein that she was getting at last time she wants to treat this like a research project she wants to invest a lot of federal money in climate change research and she said um, companies will have access to that research on the condition that they use it to create products that can combat the negative effects of climate change. She wants America to become a hub for um, preventing climate change. And she said um, uh, that investment will create millions of jobs because it'll, um, it'll, it'll, it'll uh, create manufacturing positions for people to be creating these uh, new devices and new um, types of technology. You know to, to combat the climate change and she said from there we're going to start exporting this new technology from mm -hmm. the research worldwide um which will bolster, bolster the u.s economy and it'll help us spread our um our climate influence worldwide because this was brought up a few times uh united states is 15 percent of um, carbon emissions i think the rest of the world is 85 percent so even if we fix the United States, that's not good enough. We're not saving the planet. Right. So she she has a, per a perfect solution. She says, let's get our stuff done here. Let's export our new technology worldwide mm -hmm. and um, be leaders in climate change. She also said something cool. She's like, you know, we had um, a space race, space race with Russia and it caused this boom in space exploration worldwide. Why not have an energy race with China? You know, the best way, she says, to uh, encourage this climate thing is to make it a competition with people that want to beat America. Because then everybody is doing everything they can mm -hmm. to uh, to advance climate change. 
just just another reason to to love Warren. We we got the jobs briefly again. Uh, Tulsi against is against China tariffs, and Biden would renegotiate the Trans Pacific Partnership. Yeah. Uh, basically, the TPP it's consisted of thirty chapters covering tariffs on goods and services, intellectual property rights, e-commerce rules, and other areas of global trade. Um, it was basically introduced to ensure that countries like China don't rule the world's economy. Mm-hmm. Since 1963, when we passed the Equal Pay Act, we have been talking about the fact women are not paid equally for equal work. Fast forward to the year of our Lord, 2019, and women are paid 80 cents on the dollar, black women 61 cents, Native American women 58 cents, Latinas 53 cents. I'm done with the conversation. So yes, I am proposing, in order to deal with this, one, I'm gonna require corporations to post on their website whether they are paying women equally for equal work. Two, they will be fined for every 1% differential between what they are paying men and women, they will be fined 1% of their previous year's profits. That'll get everybody's attention. Thank you, Senator. Here's the deal. I do like Kamala Harris's plans. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say that. Uh, that being said, she wasn't able to sell her health care plan as much, mm-hmm. um, and this plan is also solid. I love the line where she said, we don't have time for a conversation anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I just think she has some, again, and I'm, the reason I'm going to say this is, and you said this last time, if you're a little bit shaky on certain things, mm-hmm. then how are we supposed to trust you and your president? Yeah. Uh, that being said, this was a great plan. She also had a great plan on uh, health care, again, that she wasn't able to support, but she also had the plan on the LIFT Act, which has not been introduced yet. Okay. Um, I'll go into that when she introduces it on the debate stage, mm-hmm. but she hasn't really gone in-depth yet on it. I think she I think she discussed it in the first debate, but what I'm going to say again is she, has sol- she does have some solid plans I can get on board with. It's just that she needs to... Kamala Harris, I want to see if someone who A, doesn't dodge questions, yeah. B, doesn't seem like a cheap politician mm-hmm. in terms of how she... Like, to me, at least, I know what she's doing on the debate stage. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it. And if you can just stick to your plans, that's the part of Kamala Harris I, I love. And I stick to the stick to the facts. Give us solutions. And this, this is that example where she did give us solutions, right? She did, and I appreciate so it. So there's a side of Kamala Harris I love and a side of Kamala Harris that I, that I hate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to see more of the part that I love. I think we have to have a broader conversation about whether we value women and whether we want to make sure women have every opportunity in the workplace. And I want to address uh, Vice President Biden directly. Um, When the Senate was debating uh, middle class affordability for child care, he wrote an op-ed. He voted against it, the only vote. But what he he wrote in op-ed was that he believed that uh, women working outside the home would, quote, create the deterioration of family. Um, He also said that women who were working outside the home were, quote, avoiding responsibility. And I just need to understand, as a woman who's worked my entire career as the primary wage earner, as the primary caregiver, in fact, my second son, Henry, is here. And I had him uh, when I was a member of Congress. So under Vice President Biden's analysis, am I serving in Congress? resulting in the deterioration of the family because I had access to quality, affordable daycare. I just want to know what he meant when he said that. That was a long time ago, and here's what it was about. It would have given people making today $100,000 a year a tax break for childcare. I did not want that. I wanted the childcare to go to people making less than $100,000, and that's what it was about. 
As a single father, who in fact raised three children for five years by myself, I have some idea what it cost. I support making sure that every single solitary person needing child care get an $8,000 tax credit now. That would put 700 thousand women back to work, increase the GDP by almost eight-tenths of one percent. It's the right thing to do. If we can give tax breaks Thank to corporations for these things, why can't we do it this way? But, Mr. Thank Vice you. President, you didn't answer my question. What did you mean when you said when a woman works outside the home, it's resulting in, quote, the deterioration of family? No, what and I that we are avoiding... These are quotes. It was the title of the op-ed. No. And that just causes concern for me because we know America's women are working. Four out of 10 moms have to work. They're the primary or sole wage earners. They actually have to put food on the table. Eight out of 10 moms are working today. Most women have to work to provide for their kids. Many women want to be working to provide for their communities you, and to Senator. help people. Let so the Vice President either you don't no, believe you. it today or what did you mean when you said it In then? In the very beginning, my deceased wife worked, but we had children. My present wife has worked all the way through raising our children. The fact of the matter is, the situation is one that I don't know what's happened. I wrote the Violence Against Women Act, Lily Ledbetter. I was deeply involved in making sure there are the equal pay amendments. I was deeply involved in all these things. I came up with the It's On Us proposal to see to it that women were treated more decently on college campuses. You came to Syracuse University with me and said it was wonderful. I'm passionate about the concern making sure women are treated equally. I don't know what's happened except that you're now running for president. So I understand. Mr. Vice President, Mr. Vice President, I respect you deeply. I respect you deeply. But those words are very specific. You said women working outside the home would lead to the deterioration of family. My grandmother worked outside the home. So my, my mother worked outside the home. And, and Thank from, you, Senator Gillibrand. So, well, he has I, I either, want to bring Senator Harris Either he no longer believes it. I mean, I just think he needs to... I never to believed it. Kirsten Gillibrand's attack on Biden was a mischaracterization. So the article argued that the child care tax credit should not include wealthy families. This is the op-ed that Biden had written. I do not care whether in a modern marriage you want the man or the woman to take that responsibility. Then he said... A recent act of Congress puts the federal government in the position through the tax codes of subsidizing the deterioration of the family. That is tragic. So he's saying it's tragic not because a woman will be, um, won't be home, but because no one will. So he addresses that. It's very, this very was simple. In the, uh, in the op-ed he wrote in 1981. Okay. And that's, uh, I mean, in the, in the 80s, early 80s, and we're talking about... Um, Either the man or the woman taking the primary role. That's not bad for the 80s, too. That was a low blow from Kirsten. It is bad when I have about maybe two points on foreign policy. Not because mm -hmm. my notes are bad, but because it was not discussed much. Yeah. Uh, foreign policy, basically Booker is saying that he wants to not exactly withdraw from Afghanistan. Yeah. And then Tulsi was, you know, anti-war. But that's really what we got out of foreign policy. We didn't get much out of foreign policy both nights. I'd love to see a debate one of these days start with foreign policy, just so we can get more of it. Or have more time for it. You don't have to start for it with foreign policy. Just give yeah. it like more time than it got. That'd be good. And again, closing statements. We, we discussed it earlier. <laughs> Stop plugging your website. Don't plug your Tulsi website. Tulsi Gabbard, I think she's the only <laughs> one who didn't. She did not plug if, her website. If you think you missed out by not plugging your website, Tulsi Gabbard, you didn't. 
No, you, you didn't. You didn't. And she knew. That's why she didn't say it. Because she's woke. <laughs> she's that, that one uh, thing from Bojack. Yeah, where it was like, like, I'll stay here being woke. I'm just going to stand here being woke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, great show, by the way. Bojack Horseman. Bojack Horseman. Season, season 6 review coming out soon, whenever season 6 drops. Yeah, this is a paid endorsement. We're being paid by Comedy Central. We're not. Or <laughs> scratch that. We're not being Netflix, paid. Netflix. It's Netflix. Oh, shit. It's Netflix. So does it even air? Because Comedy Central posts the clips. I wonder if Comedy Central has any rights to it. They do? Yeah, because Comedy Central posts the clips on YouTube. Maybe Comedy Central's woke. Maybe they're woke. Maybe they're or woke. Or maybe maybe Bojack got a TV release at some point. I don't even know. Maybe we don't know. Yeah. Um, so for the next debate, candidates will need to have 130,000 unique donors and register at least 2% support in four polls. They have until August 28th to reach those benchmarks. So here's who has qualified so far. Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, Beto O'Rourke, Bernie Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren. These are who are close. Julian Castro, Andrew Yang, and Amy Klobuchar. All of those names that you just mentioned, close and qualified, great names. Most of them, pretty much all of them, I think. You I'd like the be... way Andrew Yang sounds, just the, that name. Andrew Yang? It's actually a really stock name, I mean, <laughs> if you think about it. Like, I, I've met Andrew Yang's many andrew in my Yangs. life not many per se i've i've met um i think more than one person named andrew yang so that makes you think it's a stock name uh yes wow <laughs> kind of but um but so i mean yeah like uh what was it with andrew he he actually did qualify for the debate um because he had four polls pulling at two percent but then the dnc informed him that you um each poll needs to be conducted by a different sponsor and two of his polls were conducted by the same sponsor even though they were separate polls so he's no longer qualified. He was disheartened to hear that, but there's still time. There's clo- he's close. That's what I said. He's supposed to be close. Right, yeah. yeah. It, can, it can happen. He He's very hopeful of it happening, as I'm sure Castro is. I've been seeing Castro running ads, actually, that say, like, we need your help. One word to describe these two debates. One word to describe these two debates. Flex City. Two words. Dash in between them. Why? Why is it called flex? Oh, wait. Because people flex their careers a lot, and people um, credentials. flex their credentials, uh, and then they, they plug their websites. Mine is uh, exhausting. Exhausting is the right word, Neil. It's and, the right uh, word. Mainly because, again, these were two-hour, 40-minute deba- debates that just was not approached in the best way. Um, but any last, last thoughts for the pod? Um, Stay woke. Yeah, stay woke, guys. Stay <laughs> just, woke. Just like Bojack. <laughs> stay woke like Bojack. Watch out for the, you know, watch out for what happens. Vote in the primaries. Actually, that, that's, that's a big thing, isn't it? It's going to be really important for this next uh, um, election for young people to become politically active. Well, I mean, Something we, we did well in midterms. We did. We, we did, did well, great. Yeah. So now it's time to keep that going because uh, one of the most important things is nominating a candidate who who stands for the progressive ideals that a lot of the young generation wants and then later on electing that person to to the presidency because a lot of a lot of, a lot of young people are blue but a lot of people young people also don't vote because they have other things going on in their lives like avatars the what the avatars the avatars Christopher Nolan. Um, That's James Cameron. Shit. What did James? What did Christopher Nolan direct? Excuse me. <laughs> Inception, Dark Knight trilogy. That's what he is. 
Hey, uh, so did this just in? I'm bad. <laughs> but yeah, like a lot of like a lot of people want a progressive president and a progressive government, but the way to get that is to vote. Don't be too woke to vote. What does that mean? That's a thing. What does that mean? People are like, it won't matter anyway, so I'm not gonna vote because we can't change the corrupt system. You absolutely can change the corrupt system. First of all, the system's corrupt because you're not voting. Yeah. You can absolutely change it. It's gonna be important for people to be politically active, especially the young people. So get out there and vote. Vote in the primaries, vote in the general election. Let's make it happen. I mean, at the end of the day, the strongest deterrent of wrongful power is people. Yeah. And um, Comedy Central has BoJack clips, so maybe they run on their on their what? Yeah, channel. watch BoJack Horseman, people. Great show. This is a paid advertisement. It's not. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Well, um, we'll see you next time. Catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side. I hope you enjoyed our summary of CNN's WWE Raw. WWE. WWE. You said WWE. Dot com. Hey. <laughs>